Our next guest is Adam Ashton. He and his friend Adam Jones are two Aussie guys who started their very own podcast, one where they share the best bits of the best books and interview some of the world's best authors. The What You Will Learn podcast was born when the boys realised that there was not one single book which could offer all the answers to improve every area of your life. The podcast has quickly found success with over 60,000 downloads a month. Please welcome Adam. Hey, Adam. G'day, Anne. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you today. Thank you. Likewise, we're very excited to get you as a guest. Thank you so much. I'm excited to do it. It's a, it's a great show. I'm looking forward to, to chatting today about all things books, podcasts, and uh, and whatever else is in store. Now, Adam, give us a, a rundown of your podcast. So, yeah, as you, as you mentioned, myself and my mate, also named Adam, we, we started the show called What You Will Learn back in June 2016. And so the, the premise of the show is that we read and review sort of the best bits from the best books. So every week we do a book, all sort of nonfiction, mostly sort of businessy, personal development sorts of books like How to Win Friends and Influence People, The 4-Hour Work Week, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But we also sort of gradually branched out into other things like science or psychology or history or spirituality, books like Sapiens, the power of now, thinking fast and slow. Basically, we just sort of we love reading, we love learning, and uh, we're constantly trying to open our eyes to, to new ideas. Where do you get the time to read all these books? <laughs> <laughs> it's not uh, any one specific time, but it's. I think it's just a matter of finding little pockets throughout the day. The, the best time is definitely the, the commute into work on the train, which is, you know, 15 to 20 minutes on the train twice a day. True. Sitting at the at the cafe for ten minutes, or uh, really, there is like a, a lot of time. I think people spend perhaps you know watching TV, watching Netflix. I myself uh, can't say that I never watch TV, but you know if you can just slice off you know twenty or thirty minutes each night, that quickly adds up to getting close to you know a book a week. Maybe just uh, getting off your phone for that time too would be a good idea <laughs> for most people. That's a big, big, big time vortex there for sure. That's brilliant. Hey, so you've interviewed such people as Janina. Alice from Shark Tank and Boost Juice fame. Also, Dr. Carl, Mia Friedman, and Naomi Simpson from Red Balloon. Who would be your most memorable interview? Um, they're all phenomenal. I'd say we've probably done, uh, I don't know, maybe 60 interviews now. And wow. all of those that you listed were, were great. Uh, we loved going to Dr. Carl's house and eat. Uh, showed us how to expertly stack a dishwasher for the maximum <laughs> mathematical efficiency to get as many plates in as possible. He truly is amazing. I love that man. <laughs> I absolutely love that man. He's such a uh, phenomenal guy. And uh, on mic, and as soon as the mics are off, he's exactly the same. Oh, that's, exactly that's brilliant to hear. He's, he's absolutely phenomenal. Um, some of my other international idols, I love speaking with Seth Godin, who's my, my number one all-time favorite wow. books like the the dip and, and purple cow and tribes and i love uh robert green who wrote the 48 laws of power oh okay yeah yeah nature he was uh phenomenal but i'd, I'd have to say the most uh memorable uh was an author his name is dan Ariely. uh he's done a lot of ted talks he's had millions of views his 
book, most well-known book, is called Predictably Irrational. Right. And it was it was memorable because he's from the US, but we went to Sydney and recorded in his hotel. We brought some uh, some cheap red wine, and he, well, we thought it was expensive for two, you know, young twenty-year-old blokes. But uh, he didn't he didn't enjoy it quite as much as we did. <laughs> uh, we then, then we went to the ballet with him as well, and we got a kebab on the way. So that was very very memorable. That experience. is brilliant. That is brilliant. <laughs> I mean, a 20-year-old isn't expected to know about good red wine, are they? I mean, really. Yeah, no, exactly. And we thought, we thought oh, you know, this you know, very famous, best-selling international author, we'll, we loaded up the bank accounts to go to some kind of five-star restaurant to take him to before the ballet, but we were just walking, and he thought, he just said, oh, what's this? Let's, let's just go get a kebab. And so we thought, oh, perfect. That's <laughs> brilliant. I love that. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was definitely memorable. This is Ants Talk. Also, Adam, you boys started the podcast with literally nothing and now have over 600,000 downloads a month. Why do you think it's found such success? I think, uh, as you said, we literally started with with nothing. It was really just a a bit of a trial for us at the start. We were just two dudes who sort of just finished uni. We were just starting work. It wasn't like we had any kind of name or rep or audience beforehand. In fact, our first episode had like three listeners, myself, my co-host, and probably my mum as well. <laughs> so uh, uh, we, we really just sort of built up from, from pretty close to, to zero. And I think it, a big part of it was just sort of we kept at it. Um, yeah, there's yeah. No real, no real magic bullet of one thing that we did that, that blew it up or anything. But, you know, we've done it every week. Um, we've kept pretty consistent. Uh, the early episodes weren't great, but we always sort of kept – focusing on improving and getting better both in terms of the content uh, and the way we deliver it uh, as we mentioned we've had some sort of bigger name you know best-selling author guests that are somewhat popular and maybe people are searching for them but really i think you know it's just sort of you know good lessons good books i think lots of people want to read more books but as we sort of talked about that it's sometimes hard to find the time or to make the time to read books and there's so many great lessons out there that we could learn uh, but we try to package it you know get you the best stuff in 20 to 30 minutes and then if, if you want to go and read the book for yourself great but otherwise you've probably got you know 60 percent worth of the book just by listening to that so i think it's something that people like the the feeling of reading a book without having to actually read the whole book sure i'm actually not one to watch movies um i just think it's too much time and too much attention to give one thing i really do um i actually love hearing from people that have seen a movie and they sort of suggest it to me and they say this is why you've got to see it why i've got to see it especially if they know me well because if they know me well and know what i like they will know that i'll always go and see that movie i'll always download it to watch because without fail, if I'm rec- recommended something good, I'm always going to do it. That's literally what you guys are doing. That's a, that's a good point because it is sort of, you know, to read a book might take you eight or ten hours uh, and that's a big time investment if it's not a great book. But if you can say, if you can listen to ten episodes from us and that takes, you know, maybe five hours and then you think, wow, this, this book really sounds great, then rather than you know, reading all 10, you can pick the best one and think, exactly. yeah, that's something that I want to commit the 10 hours to reading. Yeah, no, I agree, because I actually think that with books, there's nothing worse than when you're reading a book and then halfway through, you're thinking, 
am I enjoying this? Because it's not really grabbing me. And if it's, if you know, if all of a sudden, you, you know, you're going to carry on, of course, because you've got to give this book a chance. But then when you get to the end, it's such a big disappointment. It's like, what have I just done? Yeah, and it's definitely, I, f- I find it myself hard to, to give up on a book. Maybe something I should get. I'm the same. If, uh, if I'm not enjoying a book, but I, I always tend to push through it, but I could definitely, you know, if I if I was able to put down a book and pick up something better, then it's probably better use of time, but something I still need to work on. See, maybe you were born for that podcast because, you know, you've got that <laughs> exactly. skill already, in the, you know, inside. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So why books? Have you always been a big fan? I honestly, after high school, really didn't read any book for a good couple of years. Uh, and I was, for, for my sort of journey to, to finding books was that I'd, you know, I'd gone to a, a pretty good school, I'd worked pretty hard, got pretty good grades, got into a good uni course and then was got a good job and was sort of on the traditional sort of path to uh, you know, stereotypical success of working your way up the corporate ladder. But I was always wanting to learn more and, and do more and always improve myself. So I was listening to a lot of podcasts myself right. and a lot of businessy sort of podcasts and that people kept talking about, you know, the, the books that they were reading or what books would you recommend to people and all these successful people that kept talking about books. So I thought, well, there's probably something there and I should probably give it a go. Uh, and the first, I guess, uh, quote-unquote real book uh, I read of my own volition was How to Win Friends and Influence People. Ah, so, yes. Uh, I know that book a, very well. Yeah, it's like <laughs> an old 80 or 90-year-old yeah. book that sort of stood the test of time. And my mum was just sort of absolutely blown of just these completely different ideas and different ways of doing things and lessons I could take away in it. I, I could apply them to my job and my real world and I saw sort of instant results from some of the lessons that I learned and it really was sort of the, the, the gateway I guess to wanting to read more and you know just a book it's only $30 to buy and, and 8-10 hours of reading time and you could learn one lesson that completely shifts your life or your career or your business and I sort of got hooked on, on learning and, and trying to find that, that next nugget of gold that is inevitably in most books yes. and so yeah so I sort of you know I was reading at the start businessy sort of books like um, For Our Work Week Rich Dad Poor Dad uh, Crush It Millionaire Fast Lane these sorts of books that were all great ideas for business and from there my interests kept growing and my, my reading list kept widening and uh, yeah I got, got pretty much addicted to books I mean I love I just love the visual of books I love books just sitting around my house I don't know actually what it is but I love them and I think that most people, especially at the moment, I actually found it really interesting um, with that Marie Kondo, the Japanese lady. She basically, she spruces your house to beautify it. And she organises your whole existence. Um, she was actually on one of the episodes where she, contra- very controversially, because people were literally up in arms. I mean, up in arms. But basically what she was saying is that you, she, you should actually get rid of most of your books <laughs> because they no longer spark joy. <laughs> I mean, I love her. I love what she does. She really speaks to me because, you know, I'm organized. Well, I'm, I'm a hoarder, but I'm also very, I'm an organized hoarder. And um, 
basically she blew me out of the water but when she got to that point I was like yeah no because a good book to me especially one I'm going to have around my house and keep around my house it's actually really spoken to me and literally it's it's somehow changed me as a human and that's you know because I've read it and um therefore I think that you know giving away that sort of thing that like it's a lesson it's an appreciation of what it did for me so i'm i'm just like that has to stay in the house oh 100 percent, and i'm uh, much the same in that i read uh exclusively physical books i i can't seem to connect with uh digital ebooks or, or kindle or anything so mine mine's all physical so i've got two big bookshelves wow. i feel like there's uh one one part of it i guess is the almost like the, the trophy aspect of these. This is the stack of all the books I've read and all the, the visual uh, representation of all the lessons I've learned. Uh, another part of it is because we're sort of reading actively because we're, you know, we're going to have to go back and make a podcast episode out of it. I'm, I'm taking my own notes as I go, so it's almost more personalized than, than just the book sitting there. Sure. Uh, but but also I've got, like I said, I've got two bookshelves. Each have got six um, six uh, rows on them and so I've filled up five rows of books that I have read and then the other seven rows are filled with books that I haven't read yet so the things that I, I tend to, I don't know I'll just get go on a spree and I'll buy ten books and I'll only end up reading three and then I'll buy the next ten uh, and so it's almost like this another visual representation of hey yes well I have read a lot of books and learnt a lot of lessons there's still so many more exactly. that I haven't got to yet so there's still like uh, so much more out there that I need to remind myself that whilst I tend to feel pretty smart having read so many books I've got to stay humble and recognise that there's still so much more out there that I still don't know yet that's true that's true funny enough I got involved in that little it was actually a little bit of an internet craze where someone went on Facebook would basically they were doing like a book club and then you know you had to send them a message and then they would send you an email and basically what it turned into that everybody that joined they were actually given they had to give one book so basically i sent one book to somebody and then we would all receive i don't i think i ended up receiving like 12 or 14 books or something from different people that's amazing yeah and it was incredible because it was it was things that i would never consider reading you know what I mean? Yeah. But then once I read them, I'm like, I'm so glad I got, I got that. I think that's a, that's a good idea to um, a bit of uh, positive serendipity, I guess, of things that you would never choose yourself. Like for, for me, as I said, I sort of got stuck in the, the business books and I was reading a lot of business books and there are some great lessons there, but it's almost a bit of diminishing returns. And you know, the first book you read is going to blow you away. The second book is going to be amazing. But after you've read 30 books on the same topics, talking about similar ideas, the, the impact sort of wears off a little bit. So it's good to open your eyes to different ideas. I, um, I was part of a similar message and I, I got to shamefully admit that I broke the chain. I never did. Oh, no. Book and then I never passed on the on the message. So apologies to everyone uh, before <laughs> me that, that missed out on their books. I think they're all still in therapy. Pants <laughs> <laughs> talk. It's like Oprah. Now, listen, I see this that uh, Stephen Pressfield and his book, The War of Art, which actually focuses on resistance faced by artists, athletes and entrepreneurs who are trying to break through creative barriers, was actually reviewed by you guys. This actually really speaks to me, this book. I'm sure it does to a lot of our listeners. Can you tell me about it? Oh, this is a, it's an absolutely phenomenal book. We, um, 
made our, our list. We, we've probably read over 200 books each now. And we made our list of like the what we call the, the top 50 best books of all time. Obviously, as I said, we haven't read every single book, but they're our favorites for the moment. And this one features very high up there. It's just a, a free document we made. Uh, if you want to check it out at whatyouwillearn.com slash top50, top 50, you can get that. And the War of Art is on there, and it's, it's phenomenal. And, and Stephen Pressfield says that we all live two lives or we all have two lives we've got our our real life and what he calls our unlived life and the, the unlived life is the, the things that we we dream about the things that we wish for the things we hope we can do and our fantasies for one day and he says that the only thing really standing in between these two is what he terms the resistance and that's resistance with a capital r and I've wow. got a, a quote from the book here. He says that the secret that real writers know that wannabe writers don't know is that it's not the writing that's the hard part. What's hard is actually sitting down to write. And he says yeah. that what stops you from sitting down is the resistance. And so Stephen Pressfield's an, an author, but the same idea applies to anything that requires a little bit of willpower or a bit of emotional labor, whether that's starting a new diet or exercise regime, launching a new business, overcoming an addiction, starting some kind of education course, um, taking a political or moral stand, anything that sort of requires you to do something a little bit uncomfortable. He says there's this resistance in the back of our mind that's, that's stopping us. You know, we've got this fear and it's saying, don't do that. You, you don't want to do that. Resistance is really your enemy. He yeah. says that it's, it's like a, it's invisible. You can't see it. You can't touch it. You can't hear it, but it can be felt. It's within us. We may think that we're the only ones suffering from resistance, but really everybody suffers from it. And it's something that really just stands in our way and stops us from doing the thing that we dream about, the thing that we wish we could do. And it sort of says, it pushes us away from that and says, just go back to what you've been doing. You don't want to do this, really. It's uh, it's too hard. So just uh, maybe, as you say, go back and, and uh, jump on the phone or watch a bit more TV. It's, you know, something that, you know, we things like procrastination is, is the resistance in disguise. Like, it's... We don't. If we if we told ourselves oh, we're not going to do this anymore, it's almost like this cognitive dissonance. Like we've got this dream, but then we tell ourselves we're not going to do it. So instead, the resistance come in, marks masked as procrastination, and says, "Oh, I'll do it tomorrow." And so you're not telling yourselves that you're not going to do it. You're just going to say, "I'm going to do it tomorrow." And of course, that the resistance it's it's won that first battle, and so it's next time you're less likely to actually sit down and do the work that you want to do. There is so much truth in that. I need to get this book, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real power pack and it's a real rocket up the butt to, to get you going, that's for sure. It's, it's funny, you know, when you look at life, you know, there's those things that we all aspire to and we sit there daydreaming about, you know, aspiring to them while we're sitting on our phone on Facebook. Um, and I think that most people just, you know, it's all that self-talk that we've got that, you know, we're not good enough and all that sort of stuff. And, that you know, you finally do maybe take some steps. And, you know, when you actually do that thing, and it might be doing exercise, it might be auditioning, but when you actually do take those first few steps and you get that such an excited feeling, like that buzz you actually get inside when, you know, you actually see that you can do it and that, you, you know, it, it is possible. 
I mean, it's like when, you know, me wanting to audition and be a singer and you push yourself that little little bit more and it's such a great lesson in life. Tune in each week for Anne's Talk to learn about real-life stories, celebrities and everything in between. I can literally see everybody running outside right now to get that book. Oh, 100%. And, and he says that, like, this resistance, it's going to stop us at first but and we're sort of in this constant battle us against the resistance. And as you say, if you can beat the resistance and you know the resistance might have told you oh you're never going to get it anyway so don't even bother going to the audition yeah but if you can take yourself to that audition you've beaten the resistance you're much more likely to take whatever step comes next you've almost weakened the resistance a little bit and so whilst it's there that very strong at the start to stop you you need to continue to to work through it and try and every time you come up in a battle against resistance show the resistance that you, that you are the boss and, you know, it's, it's obviously something that, that can be beaten if if the resistance was so tough you know we'd never have the, the fifth symphony we'd never have romeo and juliet we'd never have the golden gate bridge all of these amazing works of art and big successes are for people who have overcome the resistance so it's whilst it feels impossible at the start it's definitely achievable for and you definitely can beat the resistance and do something amazing hey adam what can you tell our listeners about finding answers to all the different aspects of a good life from what you've read and reviewed before mm. That's a big, uh, a big question. There's a, a lot of lessons out there. Um, as, as you sort of mentioned in the, the intro, there's no one book that has every single answer. There's no book that's going to tell you the meaning of life, or not yet anyway. So I, I think it is important to start reading and you'll discover new ideas. And if you, you keep reading, you'll discover more and more ideas. Some of the, the bigger lessons that tend to pop up, we did a – after our 100th book episode, we did like sort of our top 10 lessons that we'd learned. And these are some of the things that tend to pop up time and time again. And I've got a, obviously there's, there's 10 of them, but I've got a couple of major ones here I've, I've highlighted. One is the importance of delayed gratification. So long-term satisfaction and success in the, in the grand scheme of things will far outweigh any sort of instant gratification so whether it's you know financially whether it's if you say no i'm not gonna um go and buy maccas today i'm gonna save that money i'm gonna bring my lunch from home over the longer term if you can save up and go on a big holiday Mm. the longer term happiness is going to be a lot better or whether it's you know exercise in the short term you really don't enjoy doing that next lifting that next um bench press but over the longer term when you look back you realize that there's a, a much greater happiness there from from being fit and healthy or, you know, doing anything uncomfortable in the in the short term rather than just taking the easy way out in the short term will tend to lead to some kind of bigger, much greater happiness and success in the longer in the longer term. So that, that's definitely one of the bigger ones if sure. you can try and resist the instant urge to be happy and satisfied right now, you're gonna have something much bigger and better in the longer term. Right. I mean, it's sort of like exercise, you know, even even in those first few seconds where you're just like, oh, my God, I just don't even want to do this. But then those few seconds after you have done it and the endorphins are kicking in, it's sort of like, oh, my God, I am so glad I did that. Oh, definitely. You've uh, just, just to 
to circle back around. You've beaten the resistance in that one instance. But then, obviously, in the longer term, when, you know, after a year of, of running every single day, in the moment it wasn't great, but then you look back and you're much happier with yourself and how, how fit and healthy you are. And you'll be like, look at my legs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and another big uh, lesson is... Uh, around the idea of, of getting in the arena as opposed to, to sitting on the sidelines. Okay. So a lot of people are, are sitting on the sidelines and watching the the superstars, you know. We're, we're often envious of people who are achieving great success. Very but we're never so. really getting in the arena ourselves and, you know, taking a few hits, having a few failures in order to eventually lead to some kind of greater success. Uh, and so... Uh, it's super important just to start small in whatever it is. So rather than sitting on the sidelines and watching on somebody else's success, think of what something small you can do, even just as a, a little bit of a test to try it out and, and try to get in the arena there for, for just a little bit. Like say for our, our podcast starting off, we uh, at first we just said, hey, let's let's do 10 episodes as a, as a bit of a test. That's all we're going to commit to at first and we thought okay what's the what's the downside here is it's obviously it's going to take a little bit of time and a little bit of money almost almost no money though in the in the grand scheme of things just to grab a mic and sort of get set up and what are the benefits well obviously we're going to read 10 great books we're going to learn a bunch of great stuff and we're going to retain more by having to actively read it take notes talk about it later we're going to probably improve a little bit of our confidence because it's bloody scary to turn that mic on and record your voice the first time. Correct. We're probably going to improve our yeah. We're probably going to improve our, our speaking and our communication and our clarity. So there were all these benefits that came with just jumping into the arena, trying something out. And I didn't mention anything there about anybody listening. So that's like almost the worst case scenario. Yeah. We've got all of those amazing positive benefits. And then, hey, as, as a best case scenario, maybe somebody listens. So as I said, for us, it was sort of like at first, there was a whole bunch of intrinsic things within our control that we were getting out of it. And then, hey, if somebody listens, that's even better. That even brings me back to um, even wanting to be a singer because, you know, a lot of people could just, um, instead of, you know, going sort of live, they could just do something online and um, submit that and who knows what could happen, you know? Yeah, exactly. Just taking that first small step and when I say small, like that's bloody tough to do. Even thinking about it now, I couldn't imagine putting the camera on and, and uh, exposing myself in a way that it was, you know, seeing to the camera. Like it feels like such a massive step but it is just you jumping into the arena having a crack at something being a little bit proactive yeah and uh and as you say like you know where you're, you're doing something that is it feels a little bit tough you know we're beating the resistance and who knows where it could lead in the end yeah so the, like they could they could even just sing to their camera and then submit it and they're not having to face that sort of face-to-face paranoia judgment you know inferior battle that we all go through when we're doing something public like that i think with a lot of people too the whole camera thing like you know there's some people that find it really easy um i I suppose like i mean i'm 50 so you know i didn't grow up with all that sort of stuff and so i find it like a, a huge battle to actually turn the camera back on myself and record but um some people find it so easy 
Yeah, I think I, I in some way agree, but in some ways disagree. It's, perhaps they have been doing it a lot. Like, say, for us, um, we've done – we're coming up to 200 episodes of our podcast, and someone says, oh, it's, it's easy for you to turn the mic on and, and record a podcast and put it out into the world. But it definitely wasn't easy the first time, and the fir- even the first 50 times it wasn't easy. And we're still – even today when we're, we're doing interviews, we still get pretty nervous. So maybe from, from you – outside looking in it looks like it's so easy for somebody else to do mm, but maybe true. that's just a, another excuse we're telling ourselves and the first time is going to be tough and the second time is going to be tough but a little bit easier by the hundredth time it won't be so tough and people will be looking at you and saying oh, it's, it's easy for you to do that but I couldn't I also noticed a line when I was looking at your stats up I don't know if you know but I was having a look and um, you've actually got a really strong male following do you know that? do you think this is as unique as I do or um, I mean just big readers um, it's an interesting one, and it's an important question for sure. I think, uh, on one hand, it's probably because we are two blokes, and so probably the way we do things um, is the way that we do things, and it's probably the way that connects more with other blokes listening. Um, that's not to say that there are no women listening and there are no women reading books, but um, it's probably just the types of people who are connecting with the way that we are doing it. Um, one important thing that that we uh, almost ashamedly noticed, so we sort of do seasons where each year we'll have a month off and we'll start a new season. So last month we were we'd done forty episodes of this new season, and uh, I'm almost embarrassed to say that only three of those were uh, interviews or books by female authors. So three hundred forty. Right. That's a pretty um, atrocious percentage and it wasn't something that we'd decided hey let's just do all these men's books and we're going to ignore the women it was just something that you know we that's just what happened it's almost this unconscious bias sort of a thing where the books that we as blokes were attracted to seem to be um books by other male authors but it's something that we decided ourselves that it's not something we want to keep doing because you know we can't just do all blokes and just ignore um, female authors because there's plenty of great books out there by female authors as well so we the last couple of weeks in particular we've really uh, made an effort to we're never going to get to 50 50 but to just try to um start in you know doing a few more great female authors books uh, we looked at the stats and in these sort of businessy, non-fiction, personal development sorts of books, um, 21% of those books are by female authors. Wow. So it's still not 50-50, but we're still way below that representative 21% as well. So it's it's something that we um, we definitely definitely made a bit of a mistake there, but something we're, we're trying to rectify uh, and something we need to be more conscious of, obviously, because if we're not conscious of it, um, we saw what would happen, and then we do 37 out of 40 being um, being by male authors. Sure, I think it's. I think a lot of the time it's because you know a lot of people have you know these misconceptions that all that women write is about romance. <laughs> do you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I'm, I'm sure that there probably if a, if our podcast was. Um, a different sort of podcast then there'd be a, a different gender split in the in the listeners um but as you said so you can't just uh, stereotype it that way and say that female authors are only good at writing um erotica no exactly exactly i mean there's some brilliant brilliant female um, authors out there and artists mm. and singers and everything else 
exactly. Well, Adam, I really appreciate your time and I thank you so much for coming on. And um, I mean, I think what you guys do is incredible. Like, I'm so envious that, you know, you get the chance to actually read these books that, you know, has got people's imaginations, their thoughts, their desires, you know, so much in them and that you get the chance to then review them and put them out to the world. Um, I just think it's incredible. And I also hope that the podcast continues its success. Thank you so much, man. I think uh, the only thing I'd, I'd, I'd leave you with is just that, that idea that you just touched on there that, you know, this, these books by these authors are somebody's life's work, you know, whether it's decades of research or experience in, all packaged into one pretty digestible book for you. So mm. go out there and, and grab a book and, and start reading. And also, Adam, if people want to listen to your podcasts, tell us your details. Yeah, so the podcast is What You Will Learn. Wherever you're listening to this, you can probably find us as well or at uh, whatyouwilllearn.com. Uh, and if you want to grab our top 50 best books of all time, that's uh, whatyouwilllearn.com slash top 50. Fantastic. Thanks so much for your time, Adam. Thanks for the chat. It was, uh, it was great to talk to you. And, Likewise. Uh, I look forward to your own podcasting success as well. Thank you very much. Fingers crossed. <laughs> While you work, run, walk, or even relax. Ants Talk. Listen to some fabulousness.